0: Well, guys, we made it. Another bye week. Two bye weeks in the season is a, a lot. I'm sure the players love it, but it just it makes the season drag on a little bit. It's just stretching out the pain for us, really. Wait, hold on. Who? Who is that? No Is that is, the,
1: no
2: the, is, that, it? is that God? It, the senator from Davis Island has the floor.
3: This floor is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> to be uh, fair this bye week is probably needed with the injuries.
3: <laughs> well, I mean we're 100% except for you know those really key injuries.
0: Yeah. Well, welcome to the Illuminati podcast presented by Matrix Hormones. Uh, if you're not feeling right, if you're feeling like Colin, uh give him a call at 813 the 333-2226-813-333-2226. Uh, you know, if you're not feeling right, if you, you know, you get to the middle of part of your day and you just feel like you're dragging ass and not really, you know, up to your standards Or what you used to feel like, give them a call. They can, you know, see what's going on and try to help you balance out and make you feel like your old self again. I think that's kind of, uh, wait, do, you know, do
3: hormones fix bad haircuts? <laughs>
0: Uh, sometimes, but not all the time for sure. All right, guys, listen, we get we got a jam packed show, jam packed. We're gonna, we're gonna try to do this, uh, on time. I'm gonna set a timer, okay? We'll see how this works. Okay, Godfrey,
3: right? Points too.
0: Yeah. All right, so 15 minutes, we're gonna talk about football for 15 minutes, and then this is a USF basketball men's and women's basketball podcast for the rest women's. of the show all right starting got it now all right so bulls come off their bye week after a i probably the the most dominating win we've seen uh against a division one opponent in two years by under charlie strong um they just they manhandled east carolina the entire way i mean My Lord, you know, outside of that opening kickoff and then that final uh, touchdown at the end there, it just, they could not do anything. Holton, uh, Ehlers could not complete a pass. And then you see him against, uh, was it it UCF last week? Cincinnati. Cincinnati, oh my God, Cincinnati. My God, yeah, Um, Shootout. You you never think you would get in a shootout with uh, East Carolina, but there they were. Uh, it just completely dominating performance all around. Really impressed by that. Um, quickly, was there anything that you guys wanted to talk about about that game before we move on to Temple? So um,
2: br- bring up a little bit that we talked about during the film room for those who haven't watched. Be- but as a plug, make sure you watch that film room. That was if you haven't watched any of them, that was probably the most in depth and more interesting one to see the progression from uh, the lines, the quarterback play, et cetera.
4: All right, so one thing, just not, not necessarily from that game, but after that game, as I'm doing kind of research for the next week, where do you think USF ranks in yards per rush nationally?
1: They probably got to be in like, the top 30 now, just based off of the last couple games. I mean, Is they just
4: keep on getting chunk runs. They're 37th now in yards per rush. And then on um, uh, one site that takes out, that changes the sack. Uh, takes the sack yards out of it, they're 10th in yards per rush once sacks are taken out of the rushing total. So I thought that was interesting with how bad the offensive line started. And you can kind of see it in the last game that they're really starting to kind of figure out what the guys are comfortable with, what they're good at, and the guys are starting to get more comfortable with the scheme and you're seeing them able to run the ball. And um, the, the passing game, it's kind of they've been able to use it enough um when they're able to run the ball and just kind of supplement it, I don't know. Uh, I think they probably could have done more against ECU. It seemed like they could have, uh, but they kind of held back because um, they just got up so big. So it'll be interesting to see if the, the passing game can kind of catch up, with but the running game seems to be kind of uh, taking the lead here.
3: So you're saying coach – sorry, interim coach uh, – uh, assistant uh, – uh, sorry. Uh, offensive coordinator Kirwan Bell has figured it out finally?
4: I think. I think he's kind of – Comfort with his personnel, and that the personnel's kind of getting more comfortable with what he wants to do, so it's kind of there was kind of a feeling out process, I think the first few games, and now they're kind of both on the same page probably for the first time of a year in the last few weeks, and every week they seem to get a little bit better at uh, what they want to do. They're still not quite there in all aspects, but I thought last week's performance was was a really, really good. To see going into this tough four game stretch coming up,
3: it could have come at a, a, a good time. This is the best time it could have actually worked itself out because this is going to be a rough ass couple of weeks.
0: Right. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, they start with Temple on Thursday. Uh, Temple's been a bit up and down. Um, I think that's. Probably putting it kindly, uh, this year they're five and three, two and two in the American, and uh, you know they, they've kind of beaten the bad teams and then got kind of walloped by the the, the good teams, um, almost like USF. Uh, it, you know they they kept UCF close uh, in the first half, and then UCF just kind of blew it open in the third quarter, which has been kind of their mo for the last few weeks you know the, the teams will play ucf close and then just they'll third quarter adjustments and they'll kind of you know take the game away um yeah you know, seth in your you know research for this game what have you seen from temple i know they use two quarterbacks uh you know one's more of a runner but can't still kind of throw the ball a little bit what what's kind of sticks out uh for you uh with their offense
4: well their their offense is not like statistically they're not very good. Um they are they rank below USF in yards per play. Uh they're rushing the ball for about three three and a half yards a rush, which is pretty low nationally. They're doing all right passing the ball. They've got some pretty good uh receivers. Number one's a really good player, they try to get him the ball a lot. Um scheme wise, I think they want to be run first and kind of set things up off that. Um, the whole temple tough mantra, they're, you know, trying to kind of um, keep that going. Uh, but it, it, they appear to be kind of a zone run team. They'll use some window dressing with uh, jet motion and jet sweep type stuff, but and then take shots down the field, try to get in their big receiver isolated. But I don't. Their offense has just been not not great, and this numbers don't really bear out them having a really good offense. It's, it's defensively where they really kind of uh, excel. And when uh, the, the only, I think the only big game they've won this year is kind of that Memphis game. And that's because they're plus two in turnovers in that game. They're not really a real high turnover team. They actually minus three for the year. Um, but in the Memphis game, they were plus two and that kind of helped them spring them to that upset.
1: I was about to say, offensively, aside from their first game against Bucknell, they have not scored more than twenty points in a game, except for that Memphis game. Uh, they scored thirty points in that Memphis game. Um, offensively, it doesn't look like much from
4: them, just across the board. No, they have, they have some, they have some good, uh, some pretty decent skill players, especially outside. Number one is a really good player. Um, he's kind of made plays against everybody they played against, but if you can take him away, which um, I'd imagine, uh, he may get followed everywhere he goes by KJ Sales. If you can take that guy away, you can kind of limit some of their passing game. They do have some other guys that aren't bad, but he's kind of the big play guy that'll, you know, make a catch in traffic, stiff arm a dude and run for, I think it, it might have been against UCF. He made a catch in traffic, stiff arm the guy, and it was an 80 yard touchdown really quickly. So. He's the guy you got to watch out for when they're on offense, but like I said, their defense is what's going to keep them in most games.
0: Yeah. Yep, uh, I think that's kind of where USF's offense is going to have to shine and kind of control uh, the the game, uh, so to speak, especially you know with that rushing attack with Jordan Cronkite, Trevon Bell and or trevon sands jeez louise man that's <laughs> it's it's been a long monday already um you know with wes evans kind of his status in doubt we saw some of that wildcat featured uh, with him i think he what six carries for 99 yards broke off a 53 yarder and a 39 yard touchdown run um showed some speed that's been sorely missing in this offense and it's it you know, I think he's still kind of a game time decision. Um, I think he definitely got his bell rung. Um, and, you know, Charlie, Charlie Strong started the press conference saying, Oh yeah, we're healthy. You know, this bye week was really good. We're, we're a very healthy team. And then, uh, he gets asked a more specific. So that means Jack Evans is, is cleared to play. Uh, oh, we haven't made that decision yet. So it's like, uh, so I mean, how and, Ill, and he, how he healthy is everyone? He didn't
4: want to give that one up either. He was, yeah, he's tough. He'll be all right. And then it finally was. Is he going to play? Uh, we haven't decided that yet. It was really, he was really trying to hold it, hold it close to the vest there. But his body's ready. His mind not be, might not be.
0: Well, with
2: the concussion-like symptoms, it could be. You know, bo- your body is ready, but not cleared to play. <laughs> I, I never really quite. I know that they take care about. They take care of that a little more so than. You know, if you had like a shoulder injury.
3: Are you trying to say that your mind is telling you no, but your body is telling you yes?
2: Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so here's a question. All right, uh, do we see Johnny Ford this week?
0: Uh, uh, that how many weeks? It's been it's been a while. Um, I don't think so. No, I. Right. I'm going
1: to venture with a with a hard no. And we'll probably see him against, who do we play second to last, Memphis? Yeah. I think we'll see him in Memphis. I don't think he'll play next week, but.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of where we're headed there. Um, it's, I mean, Charlie was kind of vague when he when I talked to him last week about it. He didn't want to give anything up. And he said, you know, he'll still get a shot. But when that shot's going to be, uh still up for debate. Um, and
4: they, they haven't taken him off the depth chart the whole time, have they? Because I think that's some one reason people are, because he's on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. It's still listed as second, but I don't think they've ever taken him off, if I recall correctly. Uh, he's, I think he's been there every week.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he has. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't really read too much into it. And, you know, those depth charts are, uh, spotty at best. <laughs> I love that subject to change.
2: <laughs>
1: There's so much factual information there.
2: You never know. You might be a surprise like, oh, hey, look, who's suiting up? Also, look, maybe they're going to wear black uniforms this week. Who knows? They have to this week. If,
1: if they do it against Cincinnati, I'm going to be pissed.
2: It just, <laughs> it's, it's your only guaranteed night game. So that's just kind of where I, I figured they'd place it. If they're going to do them at all. Maybe they just don't do them at all or maybe the secret fourth uniform
1: finally comes out this week. The one no one knows about. Give me the uh,
3: slime.
2: I was going to say slime. That that's for Warren
0: slime. I think. Oh god. Yeah, I don't I don't I'm pretty sure Football doesn't have slime unfortunately, but it, it's probably a good shot. A good bet to uh think that the black uniforms may come out uh to uh Thursday night. Um I think it's I think what temples favored by 2. Mm-hmm. Uh I would probably take USF in this game. Uh I think we've seen some improvement over the last couple of weeks. Granted, it is ECU. But then you see what they did against Cincinnati. And you're like, well, maybe, maybe. And then you see that that win against BYU is getting more and more validated. You're like, well, may, maybe. Maybe this team is riding the ship. Um I mean, the the losses are all now top
2: 25 teams outside of Georgia Tech. It's and it's very possible, like you predicted in the beginning, that the Kerwin offense takes a little bit to get to get rolling. But I mean, we saw in the film room, the offensive line looks like everyone looks way more comfortable in what they're doing. They have a plan. Everyone's more confident in what they're doing. Even Jordan looked better. I mean,
0: if everybody's healthy, you never know. But, you know, again, you never know. Correct. And I think it's trying to string these games, you know, together and be effective, uh, you know, back to back week, so to speak, that it has not happened for USF yet. And I think this may be the kind of prove it week. Like if, you know, if they put up 40 points, 35 points and the offense kind of clicks and they can, you know, they win it. I think this defense can shut down the offense, the Temple offense pretty effectively. I think this defense is playing pretty lights out. Um you know, given their competition and the the uh bad luck that they've been handed um you know a couple of poor offensive drives against uh navy and you just you know, you keep getting put back onto the field after three plays and it kind of wears you out especially against a triple and you saw that what it was going into the fourth quarter it was what 20 21 3 21 10 or something 21 3 and the defense kept them in the game and then you see them just kind of clamp down on ECU they don't they only score an offensive touchdown in garbage time they force what two red zone turnovers that's that's key a key a, the critical fourth the fourth and goal stop um with some luck cuz the guy dropped a wide open pass but that's what you kind of need you need it Play solidly and then, you you know, catch a brick here and there. That's what they did. Patrick making with the, the strip and uh, recovery, just those kind of plays. That if you can kind of string them together multiple games, you'll, uh, you may see yourself staring at, you know, five and four, or six and four. It, I don't know, maybe six and five going into UCF. Cause I, I don't trust Memphis still. I, I, I mean, they, they, did their job against SMU, but I really don't trust Mike Norvell. You like, you can't make me trust him until he, he does it against, you know, in a, in a critical game, um, you know, against UCF last year, he blew two, at least 14 point leads at halftime and scored, I think a combined three points in the second half of both games. Do it when it matters, Mike. All right. Do it when it matters.
2: And all right. I mean huge benefit you don't leave the state of Florida anymore. 3 of the 4 are at home. Uh it's it, it's unfortunate that the way uh, the, the season settled in because this ending is like the absolute perfect perfect ending you want as USF. You don't have to go to any cold climates. You don't have to go away for an entire month to close the season. This is really really good even though your hardest games are at the end. At least now you're seeing the progression. Maybe there's comfort. Maybe the injury woes are gone. And, I mean, watching the ECU-Cincinnati game kind of opened my eyes a bit of maybe they shut
4: down Holt Naylor's, who's
2: actually been doing pretty well. We even said the end of UCF he was coming alive.
4: And for reference, uh, Temple ECU earlier this year was Temple 27, ECU 17 at uh, at ECU. So it's not like they went out there and just rolled the ECU defense, which just seemed to have problems stopping everybody. So
1: I think this is – I, I was going to say, I think this is a confidence-building game for them. It has to be. You know, it, you can't make the excuse that, oh, this is a ranked team or this is a team coming in with no losses or one loss. This is a beatable team that plays well, plays a tough game of football. If you win, there's your confidence going into the next game. There's your confidence going in for the rest of the season as, as you get into your toughest games.
3: And that's very true, but I want to. I'm sure you guys uh, may have covered this already, but is Steve wearing a Tune Squad uh, jersey?
0: <laughs> Indeed, he is. It's that's correct. Because, hey, I just wanted to, want to point that out. I'm done. It's basketball season, y'all. Um, real quick, I want uh, before we do that. Uh, I want to do one minute and eight seconds on Willie Taggart and Florida State. Uh, 1.75 years is not enough to turn around a program that Jimbo Fisher, pretty much trashed his last year and a half there. Way um, greater than that. I mean, when you don't, when you only have one blue chip offensive line recruit in your last two classes at Florida State, this is what you're going to get. Um, I think it, I I will be perfectly frank here, if Willie was white, he gets that third year, 100%. Hey, y'all, y'all can debate me on this, but I can guarantee you he gets that third year. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt is getting that third year. Scott Frost is getting the third year. And they're in similar situations. Um, but you don't see the boosters and fans calling for their heads yet. Uh, I
2: wonder why. Chad Morris is the big one. That just He's just getting absolutely de pants week in and week out.
4: His time may be coming soon. So yeah. I, I think there's just a, there's a toxic booster culture there. I think it just, and it's uh, just, but, I mean, one it's that it's just as somebody who's coached, it's just insane that before your second year, you've gotten one full recruiting class. Really? I mean, he, he signed a transition class. I don't even remember when he got hired, but it was not like he was hired with a lot of time before the early signing period, which is becoming so important now. So he's been able to sign one class, one full class, and I don't know. I I feel like they've kind of overrated what they had when he came in. Maybe the boosters did. It's not like he came into a ready-made situation. There was there were some problems there, and it's just insane that a guy gets fired after, before he even finishes in the second year. It's nuts. I think, uh, you know, even in year three, it's tough, but you can kind of see more trends in that year. Years three, you can kind of see which way everything's trending. You can kind of make better decisions there, but two years is insane. I don't – it doesn't regardless of the results, it's just – you haven't even given a chance to the guy, especially after you've turned over your staff after the first season. It's really just bizarre. And I think it's really to that toxic booster culture they have there where they seem to be wanting to be involved in every decision.
0: Yep, and, yeah, apparently congrats on hiring Bob Stoops. So there's that. Let's move on to some, I would say, happier things. But uh, if you had told me, you know, like 12 hours ago, I would have definitely said happier things. Um, but, you know, men's basketball season and women's basketball season kicks off tomorrow night. Uh, the women play JU at 530, and the men face Arkansas Pine Bluff at 8 in a doubleheader at the Engling Center, unfortunately. Some horrific news came out this morning. Um, Alexis Jetna is out for the year due to a left knee injury. He'll have surgery later this week and is expected to make a full recovery for the 2020-2021 season. Just an absolute brutal blow for a program that seemed poised to make an NCAA tournament run. And you know what? They very they may do it still. But when you lose your the reigning freshman of the year in the conference, he was a preseason second team selection. He led the conference in rebounds with nine point six rebounds per game in twenty eighteen. He also led the conference in double doubles with fifteen. The the guy kinda did everything. Those last, you know, ten or so games, him and Michael Durr kinda locked down the paint and I think they averaged close to twenty two boards per game combined it's going to suck without him. Um, we got a glimpse of it last week, uh, when they faced St. Leo, he was nursing an injury, not that injury. And then when he was working his way back on Friday, had to a spin move and heard something pop. Um, Brian Gregory couldn't confirm that it was an ACL because it's illegal, uh, due to HIPAA violations. But, uh, I think it may be a safe bet to say it was an ACL. I'm just completely gutted for him. Uh, this was going to be his coming out year, like 20 20 and eight was a distinct possibility for him this year, 20 and 10, maybe if I'm being, you know, super, super optimistic, but God dang, man, even when things are going right, they're, they're not going to end well. And it's just so unfortunate.
3: We're not allowed nice things. I don't know what we did. If, uh, if Betty Castor kicked a puppy or something, but we just can't, do things well for more than a year. It's it's insane.
2: Indian burial ground,
3: First Nation burial ground. Jesus, Vito.
2: Oh shoot, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I think I think there must be a rule in the Yingling Center, you know, mandate when they first built the the facility, that only one basketball team at a time is allowed to be good. I think it's, I think that's what it is. Only one basketball team is allowed to be good, and the basketball gods picked women's basketball this year. Apparently, um, <laughs> last year was the men. <laughs> last year was the men, and the the previous ten years before that was the women. So I think we maybe just be restoring order. And I, it sucks, you know, to be so doom and gloom about it. But I mean, when you take such an essential piece of your team, your offense. With the, you know, the expectations that were there, I don't think it was NCAA tournament or bust with Alexis, but it was definitely like, I think we've got a shot to be, you know, a bubble team and, you know, selection Sunday would be fun this year. They, you know, they still return a lot of guys. Um, I think they returned prior to the yet an injury, like 95% of their scoring from last year. They add Zach Dawson, they add a couple freshmen and uh, Jimer Chaplin and BJ Mack who I think is going to be really good uh, from people I've talked to around their program. they say, I think he's got a chance to be really good, unclear if he's going to play a lot. still needs to you know reshape his body from you know being dominant in high school to being able to be effective in college uh, for periods of time. He we may he may be forced into more duty. I think we're gonna see a lot more small ball with this roster than we may have in the past. I think you'll see David Collins, LaQuincy Ridou, and then, you know, Rashun Williams or Zach Dawson and some combination of those wings kinda out there along with uh, you know, Derb kind of manning things uh in, in the post there. I'm you know Justin Brown. I think what what six or seven in the exhibition from three. I think I think that was my big takeaway from the exhibition is I think he may have found a consistent shot, which was what he was missing. Um, on top of the Yetna news, Mike Kerr is going to be out indefinitely due to some personal issues. Um, so, seriously, it just if USF didn't have bad luck, they would have no luck at all.
3: Well, luckily, we're a sailing school, so it's fine.
0: Thank God we're a sailing school. Shout out to Alison jo- Jolly for uh, making to the uh, Hall of Fame for the, uh, sailing. Um, good for her. I think that happens this weekend or it happened last weekend. Um, but, again, USF opens against Arkansas Pine Bluff tomorrow at 8 o'clock at the Angling Center. It's going to be on ESPN3 for people who want to watch it, who can't um, make it out. It's still gonna be fun to see this team. Um I don't I wouldn't give up on them right now. Uh it's gonna to be tougher. But again, this, this team is uh it's kind of built on their toughness. So I'm excited to see what they kind of how they respond. It's gonna be key to see how they respond. Um you know, I'll open this to the floor. Who who do you think needs to step up most in Alexis Jetna's absence? Well, uh, just
2: as the returners, like you said, I think I think we're going to go more small ball. But this really puts it into the, the hands of what can Zach Dawson do and how much how many minutes can he give you? I mean, at guard, if you can get Dawson, if you can get a solid rotation of uh, Dawson and Collins uh, redoing Castaneda just coming in and coming out and being able to put points on the floor, I think that would be huge. Because um, I, I I know we, we don't want to just assume that Zach Dawson is going to come in and be a sharpshooter, but he seems to be that guy uh, that can. And um, the evolution of Michael Durr, I mean, last year he was good, but we've heard that he is the most improved player from last year's roster. So if he can come and be a rim protector and take a lot of those rebounds that Yetna was getting, I think he's another guy that will need to step up. It's a big blow to have Kerr out, especially... Uh, just as another big body, but I think you're right. BJ Max's going to have to play some minutes. The kid who redshirted last year, who also went to victory rock with Mineker, curve, akek I think I said that right. Um, what can he provide as a rim protector? Um, I'm not sure. Did he even play the last game?
0: Uh, he played like 15 minutes. I think he, he was like over one had three fouls. It was a very foul heavy game. Um, on the USF side, I think the refs were kind of blowing the whistle a little, you know, ticky tack. I did go to an open practice uh, for the media. Oh, I think right before, right before they left for Canada, and Maduke can shoot. He's got a decent three-point stroke, so if that's kind of where they see him, I get it. Um, but it, it, again, we're we're gonna. They're going to be tested early and often. Um, you open with Arkansas Pine Bluff and then you got BC here on Sunday, uh, Walford, who is a, a fantastic team. I believe they're an NCAA tournament team. You've got Loyola Chicago and the Cayman Island Classic, uh, who went to the Final Four two years ago. And then, uh, depending on who wins, they'll have two more games. And came Cayman Island Classic uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of uh, Thanksgiving. Furman's good. Dartmouth's good. Drexel. Utah State, I think, is 17th in the country right now, a preseason. And then they faced uh, Florida State uh, in Sunrise on December 21st in the Orange Bowl Basketball Classic. Florida State's always good. Um, for some reason, Leonard Hamilton always recruits well. It doesn't make any sense. Um, it but he always gets the that random like top fifty, top one hundred player, and they're always like good like Tony Douglas, Michael Snare. Um, got to the the last two or three years, like the last
2: five years, they've exploded. Like I remember, ten years ago, it was always. Well, I mean, they'd they have spurts with like guys like Michael Snare when they won the ACC. But the, the past five years, Elite Eight two years ago, Sweet 16 last year, they've really come alive. So that's going to be a really interesting game, J- just as a fun test to see kind of where you're at. And, I mean, you're right, they get tested right out the gate Sunday against BC. I know they're not right now a good ACC school, but traditionally they are. So um, I, I'm curious to see what Brian Gregory tries to do knowing this news now if you try to – play with your roster to see what happens if that necessarily means you might lose a game here or there, but it'll help you in conference play, or if you mm-hmm. try to really go guard-heavy. and I mean, no one on this roster is technically listed as a center, and with uh, Big Nick gone, you don't have anyone large, um, taller than 7 foot, so, uh, which is Michael Durr. So they kind of have to play
4: small ball. Um, I got a couple yeah. of questions it, for you guys. And absolutely. Oh, Seth. But. Coming off the bench, I'm in. Right, I'm Roy. ready. All right. First question. Um, obviously he was a really great offensive player. They were really good on defense last year. How will this injury affect their defense? You think?
0: See, that's gonna be a great. That's a great question. So, uh, the two guards Radu and. Collins will lock down your, your perimeter your point guard shooting guard yet. No, was kind of, he kind of did it all. He was very effective in the post, but he could also, you know, take on a guard if needed. Uh, they would switch a lot and having, you know, you, when you can switch one through four, um, Defensively, it it really benefits your defense and your entire team when you, you don't have to fight through screens. You can pass your man off and still be able to be in a decent defense. Um, we're going to see how that plays out. I think the bigger question is who, what, what defenders are going to step up? You know, Rashawn Williams, he's going to get a lot more minutes this year. Uh, Zach Dawson, he's kind of replacing TJ Lang from last year. TJ Lang was fantastic. It was a fantastic perimeter defender off the bench. We're going to see where that goes. Xavier Casaneda off the bench as well. It's going to be a lot of mix and match. Um, they're kind of thin in and, and post positions. Justin Brown is listed as a guard forward. I wouldn't put him at the four, uh, but he may be a small forward. Uh, without my Kerr, and yet it's – it's gonna be weird. Uh Antoon Marusevic is he's more of a true center like Michael Durr and you know, Michael Durr and Antoon being listed as forwards is like Tim Duncan never won to be listed as a center. Like it, it you are what you are. You're a center. It's fine. And Antone's out in the perimeter
2: too, so you don't necessarily have him. The, the big thing with Yetna is he was excellent at stopping second and third chances by getting defensive rebounds and creating second and third chances on the offensive side. That he could box out and it was incredible just watching him body guys legally. Um, so you know, missing that you you know you might give up some extra second and third chances, even if necessarily like you know stats like blocks aren't necessarily there. That's what he was really offering the team. So. They're just going to have to be better, uh, more consistent offensively, uh, because you're not going to get those second and third shots with Alexis yet, and getting rebounds.
4: And, and my other question would be, um, in order to gen- possibly have to generate more offense, are they going to? Do you think they're going to play with an increased pace? Because they were not a super high pace team last year, just based on what I've seen.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think you know with. It just really kind of depends on the improvement of the offense. You know, you're in year three of the, it's basically the same offense. You know, everyone's been in the, in this offense for at least a year, um, outside of the two freshmen. So I think when you can play with speed and when your defenders can create, you know, steals, turnovers, grab the rebounds and push the ball, you'll see it more, um, um, they were not afraid to chuck up threes on uh, last week, and they weren't afraid to do it last year. Um, I think differences. I think more may go in this year, which may speed up the offense a little bit. Um, but uh, pace, I don't. I don't think it imp- goes up dramatically. Um, but you could see a lot more movement in the half court, uh, trying to you know get guys open, like David Collins, Lecuny Rudeau your shooters open more often than trying to, you know, go high post to yetna you know, download a dirt to kick it back out for a three. You may see more movement um around, you know, the 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 four guys that are not Michael Durr. Um a lot of motion offense, I think we'll we'll see a little bit more. It'll it'll be definitely interesting. I'm I'm worried about the defensive end, especially those rebounds and I can't tell you how many offensive rebounds, this guy was a, was responsible for, like it, it, I think he may change that aspect. Like as Vito said, the second chance points um, created and defended um, as you could say uh, from Yetna, second to none in the conference and, you know, top half of the nation, that's what they're going to miss most. Um, I, I don't know if there's one person who's going to plug that gap it's probably going to be a team effort. Um, you know, Brian Gregory said, you know, everyone's going to have to be, play at their, the best of their abilities. And, uh, that's, that's where it is. That's where we're at right now. Um, I, I don't think we'll learn much tomorrow against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, but, you know, I think by the middle of next week or, you know that by Thanksgiving I think we'll kind of see where this offense is and where the, the where the team fits in and what the pieces are doing uh when you start playing the Utah uh Utah State's of the world you know better competition you'll kind of see who you know your eight man rotation truly is um when they when they got steals or running back
2: or um <clears throat> defensive rebounds on the end they really like to run the whole come run of this mantra i i, I feel like fast break points was huge for them but uh inherently with the with playing small ball you, you want to likely set up quickly as opposed to wait for your offense to set up just because if you don't have your big guys down down low you're waiting for their defense to set up probably isn't going to help you but uh, they were able to mix it up depending on the roster they had on the floor so it'll be it'll be fun to see with uh guys like zach dawson if um they do anything inherently different but uh, i mean same idea stands if you play anybody with any height it's gonna le- it's gonna adjust what you can do offensively and uh one thing i'll say is thank goodness taco Falls is no longer in this league because man
0: oh bro that would have sucked um just some you know quick uh Key dates for the conference play. Conference play starts January 1 at SMU. Uh, you play UConn January 4th. Uh, you get to see James Wiseman and Penny Hardaway January 12th inside the Yangling Center. Um, the first Warren I-4 game is January 18th. It's a Saturday at UCF. Um, January 26th at Houston. Um, the 29th at Tulane. Um, I think, I mean, road trip. I'm
1: down. Road trip. I mean, Rod Hunter's um, probably going to turn around that program pretty quickly, just based off of the New Orleans voodoo that they have there.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think you know they were picked last, and he was like, "I guarantee you, we're not finishing last this year," and I believe him. Um, the home game for the Warren R. Four is February first, and then you get your return game at Memphis February eighth. Uh, you finish the season at home again uh, versus Cincinnati, March third, and then uh, March seventh uh, versus SMU. So you start conference play at SMU. You finish it at, at SMU, or versus SMU, excuse me. So you know today's news sucked, but you know Monday's news sucked. There's still thirty-something games left. If this team can. You know, figure out a way to go nine and four, ten and three, eight and five, in, conf- in non-conference play, and figure out their rotation and their skill sets heading into conference play. This could still be a special season, and uh, the NIT is not a failure. Okay, even if they don't make a tournament this year, CBI or whatever, I, I don't. I don't think Michael Kelly would want to spend the money to go back to the CBI. I think it's it, it, it may be NIT or bust, not NCAA tournament or bust. Um, but it, the NIT is a, still a very achie- achievable goal. Mm-hmm. OK, absolutely. Um, you know, if, if they can put Play you know, if they beat if they can beat Memphis this this conference is loaded with talented teams if you can just get your net rating on the positive end uh, heading into conference play if you beat you know Wofford Utah Utah State if you play close against Florida State you can kind of build your net rating and that's good and we'll see it where the chips fall but again it's it, NIT is it, it's still a very good move for this program um, moving forward. Let's transition to a team where I think this year it is second weekend of the NCAA tournament or bust women's basketball. They've, they had the season from hell last year, literally everyone and their sister and their brother and their mother was hurt. I think I got to one game. I you probably did. <laughs> Honest to God, you probably did. But they return uh, some top notch players and again Jose Fernandez recruited his ass off and got some fantastic fantastic pieces. Uh you still got Anna Pedazic, um Sidney Harvey, Elisa Penzan, um Luis Septe. Uh, Shay Leverett, Tamara Henshaw, and Beatrice Jordal, who was fantastic in the, you know, six or eight games that she played before she broke her leg. There's a core there that is fantastic. I think I would put those post players of Jordal, Henshaw, and Shay Leverett, uh, up against almost anyone, um, mm-hmm. in the conference. They are fantastic. They each, they each bring their different mm-hmm. skill sets, um, uh, to the table, Jordal is a fantastic scorer and is a beast defensively. She can go left shoulder, right shoulder. She's got a, she's got a decent jump shot. Uh, she's, she's special. I can't wait to see her continue to blossom. Tamara Henshaw is a beast down low. Uh, fun fact, she dates one of, uh, one of a guy who the person she dates is brother is on the MTV show, um, how far is tattoo far or whatever? I don't Have you guys ever heard of that show? Never like, heard of oh. it. <laughs> Snook Snooki hosts it and he's a tattoo artist. He was on, uh, um, the show with the Dave Navarro tattoo anchor, whatever he was on mm-hmm. that. I knew him like 10 years ago. It's so weird that, uh, she dates, uh, this person's family member is crazy. It's small world. Uh Shea Leverett, love her uh, because every time she blocks someone's shot, she goes get that shit out of here, and it's fantastic. <laughs> it's
1: audible too. It's she's it is, very loud with it.
0: It is the best thing going right now. And then they're tr- the transfers and freshmen that she uh, that Jose brought in. Maria Alvarez. Uh, I think almost the entire roster played internationally this year. Um, Sydney Harvey played, uh, the three on three ball with, uh, I think they teamed up with the people from, U- a couple girls from Yukon. Uh, Maria played, um, Pazan played, uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, there's a couple, uh, Christina Brabinkova, mm-hmm. I believe is the, the, the sharpshooter. if uh, I'm not mistaken.
1: I've got a name that we're going to hear a lot of this year, I feel like. Uh, the Juco transfer that we got from Oklahoma something. Uh, Beth oh, Manunga.
0: Beth
1: Manunga. think She is going to just light it up this year. Right, she led Juco in field goal percentage and was third nationally in rebounds. She's probably going to be one of the instant impact players that we're going to just – we're going to hear a lot of her. And, of course, she was international. She played for Belgium. So I think we have almost the entirety of Europe conquered at this point uh, as far as uh, major women's basketball programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denmark, Belgium, Italy, and Croatia. Uh, and Croatia. <laughs> Greece. <laughs> mi- I think the only thing we're missing is France. But... Other than that, I mean, this is this is a star-studded international roster that's just going to. I, I said it; it's like UConn got dealt an unfavorable hand. One of their top transfers uh, was deemed ineligible this upcoming year. I think this is the year they beat UConn. I think this I is mean, the year.
0: That'd be I, fantastic. It,
1: it's it's poetic. It has to happen this year.
0: I'll give you this. Uh, you mentioned all the international flavor. If I told you there, are, oh, what would you say the over/under is on American players on the roster? If I set the line at three and a half, would you go over/under? I mean, I have the roster pulled in front of me, so I already know it. But
1: we'll go with we'll go with Vito's answer. Uh,
2: without, uh, I would honestly say over there, uh, knowing that some of the uh, some of the players who are quote unquote international. Uh, Played over here at either juco or uh high school or somewhere else but yep. have internet who were born internationally but i would sit over over three and a half
0: it, the answer is four yeah four american players uh quote-unquote american i i i mean maria alvarez played at uh miami country day school which is at like a kind of a powerhouse athletic wise um <clears throat> she's from uh bell harbor florida and then you got sydney harbour from nashville um Shay Leverett from Georgia, Tamara Henshaw from Palm Coast, and that's it. Well, a lot Inter- of international flavor. International night's gonna be fun this year. Yep. And you oh. know it's 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 funny. UConn kind of went that route as well. They they went overseas. Um they you know, I think Gino kept getting mad at Jose for stealing all the top international talent, so now Gino's had to go over there and kind of Put his uh, foot down in that area And I'll never forgive Gino for Voting um, trash zone uh, Second in the conference This year Um, Because you can't vote for your own team So everyone voted for UConn except him And then he picked UCF Um, So we'll see Uh, Let's do some quick uh, key dates uh, For women's basketball I mean Jose always schedules tough and no exception against, uh, tomorrow they open versus Jacksonville at 530. And then on Friday they play Texas. Uh, next Friday they play VCU. They get Baylor at Baylor. Um, I think the last time they played Baylor, I think they beat them on a last second shot. I think, I think it was Courtney Williams who beat them on a the last second shot, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know everyone who's listening is probably going to correct me. Um, Notre Dame. So tell me if you've heard some of these really good, you know, Final Four, you know, national championship winning teams. Uh, So you got Notre Dame, uh, Mississippi State, Uh, UCF uh, conference play starts uh, January 5th versus Cincinnati. Um, First UCF game is at home uh, January 19th. Um, Let's see. First UConn game is February 16th at the Engling Center. Um and then the the game against UCF at Inovito is February nineteenth. And then they close the season at UConn on March second. Um <sighs> having them play each other the last game of the season is always stupid. I know it's a big ratings thing because it's big Monday, big Monday, big Monday before the conference tournament, but it's so dumb because they're gonna play each other four days later. It's it's super annoying. <laughs> yeah. Um you know this team. This is the only team in the country that gets penalized for playing UConn three times, and I cannot wait for next season Cause this, brother, these teams are trash as hell. UCF lost seven of their top eight scores; um, they were all seniors. Like they're going to be trash as shit, and I can't wait to see it. Um, that you know, it, it's USF. UConn and everyone else in this conference. And I can't wait to see this roster just decimate this entire conference. Um, it, it's a very tough out of, out of conference schedule. Jose does it on purpose so that they're ready for conference play because you gotta play UConn. You gotta play one of the top teams in the country. So why not schedule three of the four final four, final four teams? It's, why not? It's easy. Mm-hmm. It's how you toughen him up. It, he will never shy away from that. Um, it's been his, his MO for, since he's been here and it's not going to change anytime soon. I'm excited for it. Um, this season is going to be a lot of fun. It's unfortunate that Yetna got hurt, but again, both teams are still going to be a lot of fun to watch. This men's team is, I mean, I can't. If you you don't know by now, this team, this men's team is going to fight for everything that they're going to get this year. They're not just going to roll over. This is a different team. This is a different USF program under Brian Gregory. This team is going to compete night in, night out. Even when they don't have their best stuff uh, last year, they still competed and kept games close. They were 2-0 without Yetna last year when he had his hamstring injury. Small sample sizes and all, but this team – has competed and won without yenna before it's going to suck, but I think they can do it again. Final thoughts on men's or women's basketball It's open to the floor go
2: one uh, one question I have do we think that uh, with UConn kind of leaving for the big East that Jose and Gino figure out a way to keep that as a non conference game one hundred percent no question. The, do you think it would, like, alternate home and home or do do a fun little neutral site?
0: That's a fantastic question. they probably go home and home um, because of all the old people that live in Florida for UConn. Um, oh, yeah. They'd probably keep it home and home for sure.
2: I know we said second-round or bust. Do you think they finally
0: are able to do it? Uh, it depends if they have to go to Tallahassee or not. If they, if they can leave the state of Florida or... at By God, if they get to host, that'd be fantastic. But if they go out West or like in the the Midwest or whatever, they've got a decent shot. Um, It really depends on the seedings and how this team performs. I mean, lots of expectations for this roster. I think Jose has a lot of expectations for this roster just because everyone's back finally healthy. And the people that he brought in are so damn good. We're gonna we're gonna see some magic. I'm pissed. Uh, I get off work at 5:30, so I'm gonna miss like the first half getting over to the Yangling Center. But I cannot wait to see this team in person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna be exciting. Come out. Season tickets are still cheap as hell. You can get them. They've got box seats. I mean, even if you don't go through USF, StubHub is pretty cheap, and you get great seats for the price. So um, do that as well if you're balling on a budget. Um, but I think that's it. There's one last thing that we need to talk about. What is it, Nathan? <sighs> USF Volleyball. <clears throat> um, USF Volleyball, guys, is not good. Um, it's been been this way since 2002. Um, and it hasn't gotten better under Courtney Draper uh you know it's unfortunate i think they would point to youth and injuries as a contributing factor to to this season um i'd counter with if you remove this season it's been pretty much the same thing um for the last seven years and it's getting it's getting tough um And it sucks again, just like Charlie strong. Courtney is a fantastic person. She's very nice. Um, I think it may be time for USF to move in a different direction. Um, you know, Michael Kelly addressed the track and field cross country, uh, elephant in the room. And we saw major improvement women's cross country beat UCF, uh, in the AAC tournament for the first time in years. Uh, you, if you're going to have this stupid ass trophy against UCF, you've got to be competitive in most of your sports, and they have not been competitive in volleyball in the running sports since basically ever. And that's um, that that can't continue to happen and expect fans to buy into the, those programs. Um, you know, again, you know, track and field and cross country aren't spectator sports, but you still need to have some pride in those sports. Um, volleyball. When the you know this team hasn't been to an NCAA tournament since 2002, and you know the Corral is a great place to go see a game, but when you're when you're seven and nineteen on an eleven game losing streak, and during that eleven game losing streak you've only won six sets, you're not going to get fans to continue to come back. You know, do, you know doing some research on something I'm working on, I found this out. Courtney Draper is 1-13 in 13 against UCF since 2012 when she started. The lone win was in 2012. Okay? So since USF and UCF have been in the same conference since 2013, USF is 0-13 against the Knights. That cannot continue to happen. You cannot have that dumbass Warren I-4 trophy if you're giving up six points right off the bat. It can't happen. Mm-hmm. You, you've been, you haven't been competitive in those thirteen games. Uh, oh, excuse me. In uh, the the fourteen games, uh, USF has faced UCF since twenty twelve. The Bulls have won just ten sets. <laughs> 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 that that is insane. Is okay. That bad. That is horrific. That is like the what what was it the twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen u c f game for football where it was like sixteen nothing that's happening every single time they step onto the court. never mind you know it the prevailing thought of the, the good players in the program leaving for greener pastures um it's happened quite a bit. Uh, Erin Ferris was a 2014 All-AAC selection. Uh, She left and became, the very next year, a unanimous first-team All-ACC pick for Louisville. And then one year later, or two years later, Doris Carter was a uh, high school All-State selection, played one season at USF before transferring to Alabama, where she's started in 49 games since uh, 2018, and she finished third on the team in kills last year. That's
1: really bad. <laughs> like, I I think for for a lot of people, volleyball kind of isn't one of the bigger sports to pay attention to. You know, and, and frankly, it's, it's not due to anything more than just uh, a few kind of just not interested folks and not a lot of coverage around the team. But to be that non-competitive against your rival, let alone the entire conference, just looking at the numbers of this year, that's just... That's completely unacceptable for that to go on for that long i like did Mark Harlan know we had a women's volleyball team <laughs> man i
0: don't i don't i don't I don't know, and you know I think she may have gotten a, the benefit by going twenty and twelve last year um and she got into the the n i t of volleyball and then she blew a two o lead against georgia Tech uh that can't happen that it it's just been it that has been usf volleyball usf athletics for 25 years um just uh okay but never good enough bad and when they're bad they they're they're terrible um the bulls haven't finished with a record over 500 in conference play since 2013 um Draper is let me pull it up. I had it. She's uh one seventeen and one thirty one in her eight years with the Bulls um up to date against uh Memphis on Sunday. Seven and nineteen this year, one and eleven in conference play. It can't continue. It really can't. Um I I don't know if she I don't know if, you know, you know, Michael Kelly gave track and field a year to figure it out. And when he assessed and figured out, okay, it's not going to work with Warren by he went out and got a, a apparently a stellar coach. Cause he, five, five different runners trimmed four minutes off their cross country times this year, which is fantastic from AAC tournament to AAC tournament. Um I think she may have gotten the benefit of the doubt by going 20 and 12 and got this year and she may get next year, but something needs to change either, you know, either the resources aren't there for them, which is quite likely. I don't, they don't have, I mean, Colin has gone on, a, on record about this. They don't have, they don't have the replay system You're allowed to have replaying volleyball. If you can afford it, USF hasn't been able to afford it. Um, this blog, this here blog has raised thousands of dollars for USF volleyball over the years through Colin. Who's, you know, he's 100% in the bag for women's volleyball. Uh, I, we make no bones about it. You know, we all have our, Teams that were kind of in the, on the take for, I guess, um, in, internally, uh, and it, it, that's okay. But when, when something is this bad, we still have to report it. And that's kind of what we do. Um, we, we look, we, we point it out because we care, not because we're, we're a, a hashtag hate block. Um, we want things to go well. I promise you. But it just hasn't gone well for volleyball for the last 17 years. Something needs to change. And on that happy, happy note, I think we're done here, folks. Um, thank you for listening to the Blue Naughty podcast presented by Matrix Hormones, 813-333-2226. Go check out the men's and women's basketball team. I promise they're going to be good. Football on Thursday at 8 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, women's basketball Friday versus Texas, men's basketball Sunday at noon against BC, jam packed week of sports. Go support your team. Most of them are going to be good this year. <laughs> that
4: was, that was a great caveat. <laughs> I do, I do have one final question for the group. Late on us. Who is going Thursday night? Who's going to be more aroused by Trent Schneider? Stieg or Pat McAfee?
2: <laughs> I'm hoping the Pat McAfee show just, just goes on a tear with, with, with Aussie as a holder, as a punter. I'm hoping to like, so
0: pissed if I don't meet Pat McAfee in the press box on Thursday night. I'm going to be furious. I, I hope he's, I hope, first off, I hope Pat McAfee's
1: ready for, uh, probably, uh, store bought, uh, reheated hamburgers and uh poorly made mac and cheese for the press box i think uh I think he'll be ready for that, but honestly i think the uh I think the man crush is is pretty equal at this point uh We'll see how much uh research good old Pat McAfee's done. see if he just references the construction company or if he uh, digs a little deeper there
4: <laughs> oh, Steve calling him out He's getting a little jealous already. I'll add him too <laughs> Steve loves first right.
2: start.
0: Yeah. All time. right guys uh this was the Bloominati podcast appreciate everyone listening and uh hanging out with us uh Go Bulls.
3: Go go